A lot of people want to chase Alexander Madison out of town, but I don't necessarily think that's the right idea. Let me explain. It's the Locked On Vikings podcast. You liked it on three, one, two, three. You, like you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, Luke Braun. Let's find some joy today. You can find the Locked On Vikings podcast wherever you find your favorite shows, whether it is the SXM app or any podcast listening app, but we are on SiriusXM. You can also catch uh, all Vikings games live. Just search them out on the SXM app. You can find this podcast on YouTube or Amazon Fire and Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Thank you so much for those of you who listen to this show every single day. I appreciate you all very, very, very much. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepickscom slash NFL and use code LOCKEDONNFL, all lowercase, for a first deposit match up to $100. Today on the show is, Wednesday is like our X's and O's film review day. So, I've got a whole bunch of things I want to go over. For one, I want to go over the run game, what's wrong with it, why I don't necessarily think people need to be fired. Uh, but I, we'll see what Dalton Reznor does, right? Uh, two, I want to go over the other stuff in the offense. Um, you know, how the passing game actually was pretty potent and why. And, you know, we'll talk about Addison and the pass pro and all that stuff. And three, going over um, the coverages on the back end that the Vikings used and how they really had the Eagles befuddled. We took A.J. Brown totally out of the game, all that stuff. How they pulled that off with a pretty patchwork secondary. Um, but let me get to the the first thing here, which is Alexander Madison. So there's a, a film component to this, but before I do that, the, the first part of the take is the run game's not that bad. I don't feels really bad. It feels like they just get stuffed all the time and that they're just waste pissing away all these downs. And I know we're like particularly sore about this because of all the years of Mike Zimmer running the ball too much and second and 10 runs and run pass ratio and all that. We have, we hate running the ball. I get it. You guys hate running the ball. Your point has been made. Um, but I have great news for you in that regard. <laughs> uh, but I miss me with your volume volume stats on Alexander Madison. I saw something going around like the Vikings are the only team that hasn't gotten to a hundred yards yet. And there's part of that is an efficiency thing. Um, that sucks, but also, uh, they just haven't run a lot. They've run 26 times. Yeah. They've averaged less than four a carry. That's not great. You, you want more than that. And there's better efficiency stats than yards per carry that sort of corroborate the same thing. They're bottom ish of the league in, in rush success rate. They're way in the bottom of the league in EPA. Although a lot of that is driven by fumbles. Even if you take the fumbles out, they're still toward the bottom of the league. Um, so there is the, the, the run game is not completely inefficient, but they're also averaging 13 of these a game. This is a passing team, and it even goes crazier than that. The Vikings are passing more than any other team in terms of percentage of their reps, and they like, look, sometimes that can get skewed, right, by what if they had a bunch of third and longs and other teams have third and shorts? Of course, those teams are going to run more. What if other teams are on the goal line more, had more goal line reps, and all our touchdowns are explosive, right? Like, of course, you know, there's certain run situations, and if those come up more for one team than another, that's going to affect the run-pass ratio. A lot of this is just game script, right? Are the Vikings trailing a lot and, and, and making comebacks? And it's also part of it. Um, but 
Ben Baldwin has a thing that's like passing over expectation that's supposed to adjust for all that. And the Vikings are passing over their expectation by a greater degree than anyone else too. So they already actually have a pretty high passing expectation, which in theory would adjust this down and say, oh, okay, you know, the Vikings were behind in that Eagles game for most of it. Of course they were passing a lot. Uh, but once you adjust for that, you realize that the Vikings are overdoing their expectation by more than anybody else in the league is. So they're already expected to pass a lot and they're blowing out that expectation. They are passing more than anybody else in the league. So when it comes to, oh, let's fire Alexander Madison. Let's go trade for Cam Akers. Let's go trade for Jonathan Taylor. Let's get a second round pick for Jonathan Taylor and all that stuff. You are probably not going to see a huge expenditure of resources. I would be honestly shocked if it were half of what they paid to Dalton Reisner if they did get in another running back, which maybe they will. But they do have uh, Miles Gaskin in now, and I think they're OK with that room. Um, for me, free agent acquisitions and stuff, unless it's like a TJ Hawkinson trade led deadline thing, it's mostly guys got injured. We need somebody, which is sort of my work in theory for for why Dalton Reisner is in now and why he wasn't in, you know, four weeks ago. Like, it's not like Ed Ingram is a surprise to anybody, right? They could have looked at this, you know, a, a while ago, and no, they only chose to bring in Reisner now. Well, what changed? Guys got hurt, and I think the same thing is going to have to happen at running back. But, so that's, that's the stats component, right? The run game is bad, not catastrophic, and also they just don't use it ever. So it's not really having an outsized impact on the team, right? Um, that's part of it. But the actual film part, I think you have to remove, especially when it comes to running backs, you have to remove yourself from data to evaluate running backs. And I think data people would probably agree with that, right? Because running back data is like famously inconsistent and it's not sticky at all and it's not indicative and it correlates to nothing. And they'll tell you that means running backs don't matter. I, I, I'll say running back data doesn't matter. Um, but when we, when we are looking at running backs, we have to understand their coaching points, right? And we have to understand their the instructions that they're supposed to be given depending on what the play is. Three major plays that we're going to see from the Vikings offense. One, zone and its variants, right? And that's where you're getting Wanda, Zap, Zorro, uh, Force, 18, 19, all this crap. I did, did like big long thing podcasts about it leading up to the season if you want. Um, or you can just go like read the Syed Schemes article. You can just look up Syed Schemes, Kyle Shanahan. Uh, or shoot, go actually watch clinics if you want to get serious. But that's your zone stuff. Watch Alex Gibbs clinics. There's ones on YouTube that are free that are awesome. Um, you got zone stuff. In basically every zone play, you're given an aiming point. For the Vikings, that aiming point is the tackle. You run right at his butt. Uh, and then you read outside in from there, right? So, hey, if I'm going to go to the outside gap of the tackle because they all stunted inside and the edge is there. I'll take the edge. If not, I'll go into the B gap. If that's not there, I'll go into the A gap. If that's not there, I'll go into the backside A gap, B gap, C, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then suddenly you're doing a cutback. Um, that's your zone instruction on gap scheme instructions. Gap schemes typically have a puller and your instructions follow the puller um, and then kind of read things out from there. So when we talk about here it all the time, running back of it, that running back doesn't have vision. If you aren't looking at what the run play is and what the instruction is, anything you say about vision is not going to be any more than a guess. And and that is not something to like an attempt at like gatekeeping people that aren't like coaches or whatever. Like that is 
I think a fairly easy thing to pick out, right? Is there a puller or isn't there? What is the running back aiming at? I think that just has to be your first question. And for Alexander Madison, that's all sound, right? He's never doing the wrong thing. You don't see guys just like screw it up a lot in the NFL. And and sometimes NFL running backs will go color outside the lines more than in kind of any other level of the sport, the NFL. There is this, hey, you have the rock. It's your responsibility. Find something sort of, you know, if you want to break the rules, as long as you understand why you're doing it and, and it's a good idea, go get it, right? Like, go make a play. You're a playmaker. You got the rock. Alexander Madison doesn't really do that, though. Uh, he's a very by-the-book running back, and he puts his shoulder down, and he gets more yards. It's, like, fine. And, yeah, could there be some more juice added if they, like, got a prime Dalvin Cook type in? Yeah, sure, but that's not the kind of guy you're going to find out there on on free agency like that. That's not what Leonard Fournette would give you. Right. He he will also read things out properly and put his shoulder down. That's what you get with veterans. And we kind of already have that with Alexander Madison. So I have yet to hear particularly good ideas. I honestly, I think like something crazy for Jonathan Taylor is the only thing that I've heard that actually like gets the juices flowing a little bit. But I super, super doubt that that would be worth worth the cost on the team that runs the least of anyone in the league by a significant margin. <laughs> the run game just doesn't do it here. Um, but if you want to look at the run game and why certain plays fail, you kind of have to look at every guy individually and take it play by play. Sometimes it's Schlotman didn't get out there. Sometimes it's Ingram didn't get out there. Sometimes it's, you know, the tight end got beat by an edge rusher. Sometimes it's, uh, it's on O'Neal or sometimes it's on Cleveland and sometimes it's it's a, a confluence of a bunch of guys taking a tiny little L that's nothing you'd really be mad at but five guys all kind of have their own little part in it and then the play falls apart it's that's the way the run game goes um, and I think taking one piece out and replacing it with somebody who's a more exciting name is just not really going to have much impact on the Vikings I just don't really think it's worth our effort. What is worth our effort is focusing on the pass game. That's what we're going to do for the rest of the show. Um, We'll do offensive pass game and and defensive pass game. Uh, And I'm excited to talk about some of the stuff that O'Connell did. He was cooking. KOC was cooking. I I saw people after the game being like, O'Connell's a bad play caller. You're just mad he called the play that said fumble. And that's really what's driving the Vikings into right now. Everything else is either... A, a, a surmountable problem or doing pretty well. So we're going to get deeper into the rest of that up next. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to help you out this fantasy football season, giving you the best fantasy picks each week all season long. This week, we're talking about guys that you maybe shouldn't give up on despite some slow starts. Uh, and one of the guys that Vinny Iyer has pointed out is actually AJ Brown. He has yet to get a touchdown. He has yet to get a hundred yard game. And I don't think that this is cause for concern at all. We'll get into it later in the show. Uh, but AJ Brown getting shut down by the Vikings is not the sign of some sign of decline or anything like that. There was a game plan thing that happened that I do not think other teams are going to be willing to replicate because it requires a, a lot of psychoticness. Uh, but eventually his time will come. Eventually that Eagles defense or that Eagles offense, which is such an amorphous thing with all these different uh, shapes and sizes it can come in, eventually it, there's going to have their A.J. Brown game. So stick with it. And by the way, the Buccaneers have struggled with number one wideouts, including Justin Jefferson. Those two teams play each other this week. 
Um, it's really all about fitting those pieces together. How does AJ Brown fit with Devonta Smith this week, fit with DeAndre Swift this week and all of that? And eBay Motors understands that. And they also understand that that's the deal with your car. eBay Motors has the perfect fit for whatever your car needs. They have 122 million parts for your car. And they can make sure that your ride stays running smoothly, whether it's LED headlights, a roof back, a roof rack, bumpers, or like a battery or alternator or whatever your car needs, eBay Motors has it. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your car the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, these prices, you just cannot beat them. Um, just look for that green check and you will know that the jungle of all kinds of different parts and all kinds of different cars and, and what fits my car and what's too old of a part and what's the wrong make of a part and all that stuff, they will navigate all of that for you. You don't have to worry about it. You can just sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride. So keep your car alive at ebay.com slash motors. Thanks again to those of you who listen to the show every single day. I, I greatly appreciate all of you who, who come and spend your mornings with me or whatever, your carpools are with me or whatever it is. Uh, I appreciate it quite a bit, especially in the season when we just have so much to talk about. Um, I'm not done talking about the offense. Here's the deal. Kevin O'Connell absolutely cooked against the Eagles. Kirk Cousins absolutely cooked against the Eagles. Justin Jefferson was Justin Jefferson. That J.J. Darius Slay matchup, if you go back and watch all of it, um, was super, super baller like that absolutely lived up to the hype. And I kind of wish the broadcast made a bigger deal. I, they went to like replays a couple times, but that was like bangers on bangers on bangers. Darius Slay got his licks in Justin Jefferson, I think got more. Uh, they both had really nice things to say about each other before and after the game. So don't come at me with any of this rivalry stuff. It was just good competition. Slay played a very physical game, um, but a lot of times he was in squat and cover too. They didn't have him take it, you know, one-on-one -on -one in single high, single high coverages. He was playing, uh, I mean, they do call it actual squat technique. They had half safeties over him, and they said, go jam him. We're doing what Jair Alexander did. And I think that's just what Justin Jefferson's going to see. You can go listen to me talk about Jair Alexander after the Packers game, um, the, the, the January Packers game last year, for the argument for there is no shame in that, all right? A lot of guys get, fans get really sensitive when I'm like, hey, you're, your corner had safety help. It's like, well, yeah, that's not his fault. <laughs> and he did a good job with the assignment he had. Like, what's what's the complaint? Um, anyways, those guys did great. There is a JT O'Sullivan video at the QB school where he went over Kirk Cousins' game and Kevin O'Connell, a lot of play calling stuff in that too, versus the Eagles. I don't have a lot to add to it. I think he did a really great job of breaking it down. Um, and you can find that on YouTube. Just search it out. But basically... It's very uh, advanced. The, you can really see what Kevin O'Connell was thinking. In particular, the cover eight beater that uh, was the Jordan Addison touchdown. Cover eight is their word, used to be our word with the Donatel world, uh, for cover six, so quarter, quarter, half, with the quarter side on the weak side and the half side on the strong side. So the Vikings are in trips, three by one, three wide receivers on one side, and they're in cover two on that side. On the other side, it's just Jordan Addison and it's quarters on his side, right? Uh, and when you are lined up that way, that means you have a half safety over the top of all three of those three by one receivers, uh, one of whom is Justin Jefferson. And that means everybody's got deep help, right? So everybody can kind of play a little bit more aggressively, and that helps everybody over on that side. And then on the other side, you have a safety over the top of Jordan Addison on the outside. And then you got this other safety, this other quarter safety that's sort of just looking around trying to make trouble. Um, and that quarters beater was super cool because it, 
kind of ran a route right at that. They call it the trick safety, uh, or I call it a poach safety. That's, I think, the saving word for it. But you ran a route right at that guy, a sort of middle search kind of route. Uh, and the route that it looked like is one that very typically is, or at least the one that looked like to me, and so I wonder if this is kind of what the safety would think, is sort of like a race to the spot. As soon as you clear, when you when you do those like middle search routes versus a poaching safety, you're you're told don't slow down at all. Run really, really, really fast, and it's on the quarterback to get the ball to you before the safety gets there uh, and to not throw you a hospital ball, but you got to trust your quarterback, right? Which means if you're the safety seeing that, you're going, oh, no, I got to book it. This thing's about to develop really, really fast, right? So he books it out of there, and then it just leaves Jordan Addison running a post versus a deep corner. Uh, which is, and that deep corner was playing with outside leverage because it was quarters, and that's what you do on quarters when you're a cornerback. Uh, and so it was just he just had the right leverage, stopped up, make make the catch, and then also uh, make the break the tackle. Not too bad. Good day for Jordan Addison. I will say on tape, you can kind of see some of the blemishes come out. Um, there are moments where he just kind of struggled with physicality. If anybody's playing catch technique on him, if anyone was jamming him, he just would struggle to get off of that. And it's sort of like the opposite of as a corner, right? Like coverage looks really, really great, but you gave up the one big play and it sort of ruins your whole day. This is sort of like, yeah, there were some issues over there and you can kind of see him being small, like coming up, uh, which we expected a little bit. But hey, go get a big deep post and get like a 60 some yard touchdown. We we're not going to complain anymore, right? Um, and everything else, you know, was crisp and he ran routes at the right depth and all that stuff. And I think it's very it's clear to see that his route is going his his role is going to expand over time as the weeks sort of pile up. It's already expand. I mean, he's played like 48 of 60 some snaps or something like that. Like there's not much more expansion to do, but you can kind of see, all right, yeah, this guy's going to be like part of the offense and that's exciting. Um and then the only other thing I wanted to bring up, TJ Hawkinson is a vital piece to th- what the Vikings are doing. The way that he runs wide choice um, which is a huge thing to like take advantage of linebackers or take advantage of base package stuff. If uh, the defense is in their base package and has like, if they're like three, four, so they've got like outside linebackers, you know, they've got their Daniil Hunter backing off into coverage. TJ Hawkinson can punish that really well. And then you don't have to use Justin Jefferson on that. You can have him do something deep. That's a cooler alert that maybe you can go make something fun happen. And if not, then we still have this like TJ Hawkinson weapon and then not to mention being able to, push things vertical and and actually force safeties to pay attention to him and all that stuff. Um, there, there is so much value that comes out of it that is not available to the naked eye, but is very, very impactful. Um, one other quick thing on the offense, on the pass blocking, Kirk Cousins has been under pressure about 32% of the time, I think, is the total. Uh, that is not so bad. It's about middle of the pack. Um, so if you're like, God, we just need average pass blocking. Congratulations. Here it is. Average pass blocking. And that counts a lot of the blitzes that are um, not necessarily on the O-line that were like free rushers and stuff. In particular, Ed Ingram stood out to me in moments where he was one-on-one with Jalen Carter or Fletcher Cox. I-, I thought he held up well. He got beat like two or three times, which is an L on the day, but not a catastrophic one. And against players of that caliber, I, like, I'll take that. Um, Ingram's day on the whole was not good enough. Like, I don't think it was up to the standard that we want. 
but I, re- I think we're really far away from like fireable and everybody and, and their mother wants to bench him for Reisner right now. And I, they, I don't think that's going to happen, but we'll see. I mean, it, you probably know better by now uh, is the, the Vikings practice on Wednesday, right? So I'm sure we'll have media there and media. The first thing they're going to say is who the line is. So we'll see who's playing tackles, playing the guard spots and all that, who's playing center, all that stuff. What Reisner's doing, if they're going to fold him in, I mean, he did just just join, so wouldn't be too surprised if they had to fold him in over a week and maybe things stay the same and he's he's on the second team for a little bit while he's learning the playbook and all that. Um, we'll, we'll see where they head in, or maybe they just throw him right into the fire because he knows Chris Cooper and he knows uh, these types of schemes, so maybe it's not that hard, right? We'll see, uh, but I don't think Ed Ingram has played fireably bad. Uh, it's, it's, it's not good. And I think right now I'm at a, let's move on. Let's talk about this in the off season, not let's go panic and go grab somebody mid season kind of, kind of deal. I think when you lose your starter to an ankle injury, we'll see how much worse that is. And then you lose your backup to a knee injury. That is let's go panic and get somebody right. Um, I talked about that more yesterday, but a lot of people in the YouTube comments were like, how can you possibly say that it's not about Ed Ingram? He's so bad. And I'm, I'm like 99% sure you guys just looked at the BFF grade. Come up with your own opinions. Dang it. Um, <laughs> flip to the defense, uh, and talk a little bit about coverages and how I think Brian Flores really put the Vikings in a, in a position to win if they could just stop all that darn fumbling. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's daily fantasy made easy. Every Friday on Locked On Vikings, we do our Prize Picks prized picks, and I'll tell you some of the Prize Picks squares that I am going to be participating with. Uh, but Prize Picks is a great, fun game. It is daily fantasy, but not daily fantasy the way you typically know it, where you have to put together an entire lineup and then go join a contest with a bajillion people. Um, it is. Just you versus prize picks. They just set like an amount of fantasy points or yards or whatever. And you just have to say more than or less than. And uh, you can pick like two to six of your favorites. You're not putting together an entire team. That's what really turned me off to it. If I said, man, I think Anthony Richardson's going to have a big, a big day. So I want to kind of have a thing that represents that opinion. Um, but then I got to like figure out three receivers and a flex and a kicker. And it's, I don't want to do any of that. All right. Just let me do my few players that I have an actual opinion on. That's what prize picks is good for. Again, we will do our picks uh, on Friday for that. But if you want to join me, you can go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to hundred bucks. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Brian Flores is a, is a sick man. Is truly an ill human being whose brain needs to be studied. Uh, watching this defense, I knew we were getting into some weird stuff when we when we got Brian Flores. It's part of why I liked him. And I think this Eagles game is sort of proof of concept. I know it's a hard sell because we lost the game, but understand the defense played very, very well, at least in coverage. Run defense, different deal. Um, and, and, you know, I, I said I, I talked a lot about the run defense on uh, Monday's show. And kind of what went wrong there and how the personnel packages were so much more suited to coverage and all this drop eight stuff that sort of sabotaged the run defense in a way that ended up kind of being game breaking. But they got what they paid for uh, in terms of coverage wasn't enough to win the game and they probably could have found more balance. But boy, that was a fascinating coverage idea and it sure worked. Um, First off, the Eagles came with a really weird game plan with a lot of dagger. 
like old school, just let's have a slot run a clear out and let's have a number one guy running in, run a deep dig. Like it's dagger, baby. Uh, dagger loses to Tampa two. Um, daggers a really good cover two beater because that dig route is too deep to be contested by any of the underneath defenders and the clear out takes a safety, right? So real good cover two beater, real bad Tampa two beater. I am currently breaking down football circa 2008. Uh, and that is what happened here. <laughs> so <laughs> everything old is new again. It's amazing how cyclical it all is. I'm sure if we went and watched, you know, all 22 from the 1960s, we would go be like, oh, look, they're running like cover two against dagger. But really, the key is um, that the, the typical counter punches to Tampa 2 also weren't there because the Vikings were dropping it. You probably noticed they rushed three a lot. And A, three got home. Thank you, Daniil Hunter, which I saw. I, I'm probably reacting to a vocal minority, but I did see people be like, where's Daniil Hunter? What happened to Daniel? He's tied for the league lead in sacks. What do you people want? Just admit you don't watch the trenches. <laughs> it's okay. You don't have to watch the trenches. Nobody like is asking you to, but just shut up about them if you're not going to pay any attention to the league leader in sacks or co-leader. Uh, <laughs> get out of my face with that. But anyways, so they got home with three a reasonable amount of the time, which I think is really, really important. But another part of it was just they had all the time in the world to because those drop eight coverages worked. So when you have just vanilla cover two, two deep defenders, five defenders underneath, all taking a different zone. That loses to a bunch of things, right? One of the things it loses to is corner routes that attack the outside of those half zones, of those deep half zones. The underneath corner is not going to be able to get there. He's too shallow. And the half safeties are going to have to like book it all the way to the sideline. And oftentimes there's a hole there. The point of Tampa 2 gives you a runner, which means the middle of those underneath zones is going to take anything deep that comes up the middle, which is another weakness of cover two. You hit it up the seam, right? Um, so he's basically responsible for the seam. And anything that goes up in vertical that way is my responsibility if I'm the runner. Because that responsibility is now handled, the safeties can cheat outside a little bit more and reduce that hole, that, that turkey hole, if you've heard like John Gruden call it that, reduce that turkey hole and make it a, a, a harder throw. So again, this is innovations from like 1999. Um, Tampa two has the weakness of if that guy's a runner for one, that's a linebacker running down the field, right? Remember tough Borland in the NFC or in the, the college football championship against, I think it was Devonta Smith. Uh, you can be susceptible to that kind of, I don't think that was the coverage that they were in, but you can be susceptible to that kind of thing. All right, then I'll just run a fast guy up the seam. And now your linebackers running with me, right? Um, so the Vikings handled that by having a safety be the, the runner a lot of the times. And sometimes that safety would actually line up looking like a middle field safety and throw off the alignment, throw off the quarterback's look, but still, you know, play a too high structure, but make it look like it's a middle of field close structure, absolutely torpedo all your pre-snap reads and make you have to like change everything on the fly, makes things really hard on the quarterback. Love that. Absolutely beautiful. But one of the other things is a lot of times you can clear that runner out and then go attack the middle of the field in kind of a shallow place and just go get six, seven yards really, really comfortably. So by dropping eight, you can basically have this almost behave like it's cover, drop eight, cover three. Um, you can still have that runner, but you also have an underneath zone that's like classic. So you're playing both regular cover two and Tampa two kind of overlaid on top of each other. Uh, and there's just not a lot of holes in that. 
Everybody's got a zone. But to, to work that properly, you have to pass off the zones properly. You have to be really precise about your depths. You can't get caught backpedaling too, too high. You have to be play really, really sound coverage. And what I saw on the tape was really, really sound coverage. And this is what encourages me the most here. This is the optimistic note I'm going to leave you on. And then we let this Eagles game die forever. I remember watching the Eagles game week two last year and thinking, man, this coverage group has no idea what anybody else is doing. They aren't communicating. They're busting coverages. They don't really know their assignments that well, and they certainly don't know what the other people are doing, where their help is. And, and, and I was saying that about guys like Harrison Smith and Eric Kendricks. Like, what's going on? Patrick Peterson, like veterans that clearly know the game, but they kept messing up so much. Uh, and it like wasn't getting punished as much as I was worried it could get punished in the future. And that turned out to be a persistent problem throughout the entire season. I thought it would turn around and it did not. Uh, and so you fired the staff, right? Or at least the coordinator. Brian, it could not feel more different. Brian Flores has these guys communicating properly. Uh, they fix the signals thing too. All right. If anybody's worried about that, they didn't do the same thing. They had one that, that was like clapping and I think it meant everybody blitz, but uh, I'm sure they'll, they'll change that every week and it's kind of fun to watch, but um, they are communicating. They understand what everybody else is doing. They understand exactly how far they need to carry a guy before he, the other guy's supposed to pick him up. And that guy's picking him up properly. There were just not throwing windows against drop eight zone. Drop eight is typically a really bad plan because you're only rushing three and it's really hard to get home with three and you can't cover forever. Eventually, someone's going to get open, right? And if versus a three-man rush, you've got a lot of time for things to develop and it can kind of get punished. Matt Patricia died for this. <laughs> like He screwed this up so many times in Detroit uh, and they were bad doing that, playing this drop eight thing. But it worked. And it worked against one of the most prolific offenses in the league. I know Jalen Hurts is off to a weird start, but I, I genuinely think that it's just scheme mismatch, two scheme mis mismatches. And I, I guess they got a, kind of another similar one coming against the Bucs. So going to be a weird start for Philadelphia. No doubt that they're going to turn that around. Tomorrow on the show, uh, we are talking to Locked On Chargers. And we're going to start going into the Chargers game. And on Friday, we'll do our bold predictions and our prize picks and all that. So I'll see y'all for that. And as always, Skull.